Hey, y'all. We are back through Isaiah. We're continuing through Isaiah in chapter 4 today. And we left off in chapter 3 where beauty was being ripped away. All the external things that we put value in are being stripped away. And you're left with the ugliness of yourself and what happens when we don't choose God first, when we don't pursue God, when we reject God and what that looks like. In verse 1, it continues with that of chapter 4. In that day, so few men will be left that seven women will fight for each man, saying, Let us marry you. We will provide our own food and clothing. Only let us take your name so we won't be mocked as old maids. And remember, in this time and culture, if a woman was not married or bearing children, it was looked at very badly. Like that was considered not good if you were a woman in this time and culture. In verse 2, but in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. So this is a warning. He's saying there's going to be a time of exile and things are going to get ugly. But then again, we're brought back to that glimmer of hope. The branch is referred to as Jesus. The branch is the shoot from David's dynasty, a righteous branch, righteousness that comes forth through the dynasty of David. And it's Jesus. And we have another glimpse of hope of the coming of the Messiah and the millennial blessing when things are restored and redeemed. And he's saying, look, you're, it's not so pretty now, but leading up to the coming of Jesus, it's going to get uglier. It's going to get worse. Things are going to get even messier and sin's going to run even more rampant. And it's so important to stay faithful and cling to God and cling to the Messiah because there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be a remaining people who stand firm in the faith and on the solid foundation of God in Christ and who he is and the blessings that come through the Messiah in Christ and, and the glory and honor of God. And we have a revived Jerusalem that's going to come forth, a blessing of peace, a millennial time of restoration and redemption. And we'll continue here in verse 3. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survive the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living, the Lord will wash the filth from the beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with a hot breath of fiery judgment. So it says, look, before the millennial comes, before Jesus returns, it's going to be messy. The tribulation is going to come. There's going to be a cleansing period where all sin is going to be burnt away. And what's left is the people that remain faithful, the holy remnant, the people that cling to God with all of their heart, soul, and mind, who passionately run after God in all he is and respect and honor the holiness of God. And that remaining remnant of the people who withstand and survive the destruction will be honored. In the verse 5, it continues, Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. So again, in Exodus, they... God led the people through a cloud in the day and a fire in the evening. It's reflecting back to that Exodus time where God led. And if you trust God and let him lead, you will be among those remnants. You will be of the remnant that will be blessed and honored and have eternity with God. 
in this branch that comes up, he's saying, there's a Messiah coming. There's a branch. It's Jesus. We know that. But in the fruit, the fruit of the branch is going to be the survivors, the survivors who withstand the flames and the fire and are left holy and pure with God. And that is so why it's so important to cling to God and his strength and resist sin and flee from temptation with all of our might and don't give in. Don't give in to temptation or sin. We don't have to. And God is going to reveal himself and who you are. He's going to look into your heart and our hearts will be revealed. What we're truly living for will be revealed in this word, the word is the branch. He, Jesus brings forth the word and he breathes life into this word. And we have scripture. We can spend time with God. We can learn about him. We can spend time in prayer. We can spend time worshiping God. We can spend our days clinging to Yeshua, Jesus, and we can choose Jesus' side. Because at the end times, when everything comes forth to the end, the ultimate the only thing that's left is not going to be our houses, our cars, or our jewelry. It's going to be whose side are you on? Where will you be spending eternity? And we can choose Jesus. We can choose freedom. We can choose forgiveness. We can choose righteousness and holiness. And we can cling to God. So then it talks about in chapter 5, it continues with another judgment. If you do not choose God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're going to face judgment. And in verse one, it says, now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence." So here we have bitter grapes. God wants us to be sweet, sweet grapes, full of his love, full of his integrity, full of his his character. But here we have instead bitter grapes who are going to have to face captivity and exile in Babylon. He's speaking to the southern territories and they're going to be captured by Babylon. And he wanted the best for his people, but they chose something else. They chose something that was not the best. They chose not to have sweet grapes. And you can choose the sweetness of God and the blessings, Emmanuel, Yeshua. We can look to him, not ourselves. When we look to ourselves, we become in bondage. We end up stuck in selfish idolatry rather than grace and freedom and gratitude found in Christ and blessings upon blessings from God. In verse 
Um, eight, it continues. Also, Jesus doesn't want us in bondage. He doesn't want us in Babylon. He doesn't want us in captivity or exile. He wants us in freedom. He wants us in his kingdom. When we repent and turn and, and submit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior and run to the cross, we don't just sit at the cross. We go through into God's kingdom. That is the door to God's kingdom. We can live in God's kingdom now, not tomorrow or next week. Now we can choose to walk through that door every single day. It is a daily battle, and therefore it is a daily recognition of meeting Jesus at the cross and going through that door daily. In verse 8, we'll continue now. What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's armies swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be empty. Ten acres acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties, lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing. So here we have a call out against coveting and drunkenness and partying and living your life absent of God, just going about your business, drinking, carousing, do whatever, doing whatever selfish desires you want and fulfilling yourself instead of God's will for your life. And he's like, just stop doing all these bad things, y'all. In verse 13, so my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve, and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up. Humanity will be destroyed and people brought down. Even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of heaven's armies will be exalted by his justice. The holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness. In that day, lambs will find good pastures, and fattened sheep and young goats will feed among the ruins. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. And dark is light, and light is dark. The bitter is sweet, and the sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think of themselves as so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fist to crush them. The mountains tremble and the corpses of his people litter the streets like garbage. But even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to distant nations far away and whistle to those at the ends of the earth. They will come racing toward Jerusalem. This will not, they will not get tired or stumble. They will not stop for rest or sleep. Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows will be sharp, their bows ready for battle. 
Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves, and the wheels of their chariots will spin like a whirlwind. They will roar like lions, like the strongest of lions. Growling, they will pounce on their victims and carry them off, and no one will be there to rescue them. They will roar over their victims on that day of destruction, like a roaring of the sea. If someone looks across the land, only darkness and distress will be seen. Even the light will be darkened by clouds. So there's a lot in here. I wanted to keep reading it as a whole before we comment on it, um, because it's just so deep. And these chapters are really spiritual. They're spiritually focused. And God wants us to acknowledge his presence in our lives. He wants to be a part of our lives. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are invited into his story. We aren't supposed to be running around doing what we want and forgetting about God, thinking we're living our own life and writing our own story and just inviting God into it whenever we feel like it or feel moved emotionally. God is the author our stories and he wants us to be a part of his story. He invites us in. He desperately calls for us and cries out for us to live in relationship with him. God is the vineyard owner in Israel and the Gentiles were the vineyard. It, it's Israel is the chosen people, but it does carry over to the rest of us as well. And we are in this story. We see there's sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies. We believe the lies of the enemy, the lives of the of the devil, and we end up careless and disregard God in all He is. We don't fear Him. We don't honor Him. We don't respect Him. We don't desire to be close to Him in every single moment of our lives. We believe deception because we don't know the father's voice. We believe in people, look at how our world today twists good for evil and evil for good and dark and light and lightness is dark. That is happening right before our eyes. That is in our country. Pride, they think of themselves so clever. Pride is the basis of of people and you want to be known for everything you're doing and, and we want to be proud of America. No, you need to be proud of God. We not need to not idolatry, bring idolatry into where we live. And injustice is growing and growing. And we see more and more oppression and injustice. And there's no restoration. And this is a choice. It's, it's his wrath or the grace we found in Jesus when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And he died with our sins on the cross. He was not guilty when he went to that cross, but on that cross, there was a transition that happened and he took the guilt of all of our sins onto himself and he was crucified for our sins. It is forgiven completely. He took everything for us and we can choose to accept him as our Lord and Savior. And God gives the Israelites a time out here. They're about to go into exile. Babylon is is bringing them into exile and it's going to be a really hard time. Because they rejected God's word. They rejected God, their Lord and Savior. And we can let God be God of our life. We can ask him to show us where we might be having some bitter grapes. And we can ask him to lead us and guide us to sweet grapes and make sure any bitter grapes in our lives are completely pruned out. We can let him prune us. The cleansing period is going to be like a purifying fire and it brings destruction, but Yahweh is not completely destroying all of Israel. He even, we know that there's a tribulation period coming and it's going to be a very similar thing to this, but this is also, it's talking about the now. Israel is about to go into exile, but there's going to be a remnant 
and even into the tribulation, there's going to be a remnant, people who are left holy, who cling to God with all their hearts. And Israel has a problem. In Yahweh, God, Jesus, they're going to deal with the problem by cleansing them with the coal from the fire, with the tribulations, with the sorrows of being in exile. And a remnant will remain. And through that remnant is Jesus. Jesus comes from the remnant. The Messiah comes from the remnant that remains and clings to God. There's a righteous remnant in Israel who will still serve God and they will still experience the exile because they're a part of the people, but they will cling to God and they will be strong and remain. And there's a national cleansing that's going to happen. And they, they come and they clean house because they're living like bitter grapes. And we need to make sure we're just, we're not living like bitter grapes, that we are living under the sweetness and the glory and the awesome power of our amazing, forgiving Father who brings us to righteousness, who took our place on the cross so we could live righteous, pure, holy lives by the strength of the Holy Spirit that lives in us every day. It's a daily battle. We just have to choose it. Thanks, y'all.